0: do just a little bit of a review from last week, and hopefully summarize things better than I preached it last week, um, and then we'll move on. Uh, we've been in the Genesis series, and we're going to return back to that, I want to just take a couple weeks here, because we've been in Genesis for a long time, and so last week we looked at what it means to be a healthy church, and we said that a healthy church is a church with a high trust level. And trust is built by four things. It is built by character, it's built by competence, the ability to do things well, it's built by consistency, doing good things well consistently, and fourth by contribution, making a difference, giving, making a difference for where we are. So a healthy church uh, is one that builds trust in a community. Contribution. But it's also true that it's not just the church as a whole, that it's us as individuals, um, we also need to live in character and competence and consistency and contribution towards others within the church and with towards others in the community if the church is going to build trust in the community. And then we said that trust is never blind because if, if our trust is blind and we just extend trust, um, all of us have been hurt and all of us at some point or another have been hurt at church <laughs> by good church people. And probably all of us have hurt someone else in church whether we knew it or not. So trust is not blind. Trust, uh, if this blind trust, we tend to, We tend to be gullible and we would tend to allow other people Let them prove that. Give them some more trust. You always build trustworthy people by extending trust to them. So, next Sunday we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper, uh, Lord's Supper together and worship. And we practice open communion. That means that you don't have to be a Wesleyan. Um, you uh, don't need to be a member or anything else to be. The only thing we ask is that you know Jesus. Invited them in your heart, so we we want to invite you for that. But today I want to do uh, a second message on church health as it relates to conflict, and it will kind of tie in to that whole trust from last week. Um, but the church is made up of people, and where there are people, there will always be some conflict. And so it's unwise for us to expect that we should ever find a church where there is no conflict. (laughs) So, that, and and quite frankly, sometimes if we just have that mindset that just because I'm in church doesn't mean there should not be any conflict. If we can get that through our heads, it would help us deal in church life a lot. Because anywhere there's people, there will be conflict because we see things different. We experience things differently. God made us all different from each other. And so, where there's people, there's going to be some conflict. So, part of spiritual maturity is learning how to deal with conflict in a healthy Christian manner. So, a healthy church is one that deals with conflict within the church. They don't try to ignore the conflict, they don't try to pretend it doesn't exist, but they are a healthy church is one that deals with conflict in a healthy way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. So, wait a lot. I want to say that all the scripture from Genesis chapter 2 all the way to Revelation chapter 22 almost any page, you can take your Bible and open it up anywhere in between and you're going to find And I point that out to you, and I tell you that, because sometimes we get the idea that just because we're Christians, that we ought to always agree. And there shouldn't be any, any conflict among us. But all of God's people, from the very beginning to the very end, have had conflict. Wherever there's people, there's conflict. We are to be spirit-filled disciples who are filled with the fruits of the Spirit as we deal with conflict and as we deal with heart issues and conflicts. You will remember in Galatians chapter two, verses eleven through twenty-one, Peter traveled to Antioch, where um, where um, I think I got that backwards. Peter traveled to Antioch, and there was Paul was there, and there was a dispute that that came between the two of them and one of them was not would just kind of be a clean, hypocritical um, acting this way around one group of people and acting this way around a different group of people and wasn't being consistent at all and get this Paul writes and he says it as bluntly as this I oppose Peter to his face because Peter was clearly in the wrong. That's pretty, pretty strong language, don't you think? That chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their patient ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to this. So, to start with, I just want to say, lay that out as a framework this morning for us, that conflict is part of life, and you should expect that you will be part of a church that has conflict. Get over it. That's life. Now, I don't know of any big conflict. I'm not preaching this for any particular reason, to be. I'm to wear the head, I'm just telling you that when it comes, don't be too surprised. Yeah, the first thing, so court, some core court convictions about conflict, first of all, it's part of life. Now that's what says. If you work with people, you will be with conflict. Secondly, the second core conviction, I think of the scriptures is this. Conflict can be a very valuable tool. We all just look at conflict and say bad. It doesn't have to be bad. Conflict can be good. Conflict can be used to grow us all up. Conflict uh, oftentimes results in some soul surgery. Conflict makes me evaluate my priorities and your priorities and and evaluate direction and goals and all of that kind of stuff. So conflict can be a very good thing. You go to Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council where they were trying to figure out, okay, you know, the gospel has been pretty much reserved for the Jews and now there's Gentiles coming to Christ. What do we do with these people? They have no Jewish background at all. Do they have to be circumcised now as adults when they come to Christ? Do they have to follow all the dietary rules and all that kind of stuff? Uh, And there was a big conflict, a big dispute in the church as to what do we do with Gentiles who come to Christ? Do they have to become Jews in order to become Christians? And it was a big conflict, but the end result of that was good. It was a good thing they didn't sweep it under the table and pretend the conflict wasn't there they dealt with it. They had a consul, the Jerusalem consul, and they raised the question, and they solved the question, and because of that, the gospel went out, and because of that, you and out are Christmas today. Because they dealt with the conflict. Wow. The next thing I want to say is, no Vale, sí. And you just need to know that some of you, God kind of gave you that temperament and you have to tone that down a bit. <laughs> In the church. Okay? Then, sometimes as Christians, we think this, this next one is really more God. But it's really not. And that is a combination. And that is peace at any price. I will for. You know, I just I don't have any convictions if that's what it takes to make you happy. I won't take a stand on anything. I'm just going to accommodate you. Um, and the teddy bear is the, is the role model animal for that. Um, this is Abraham with Lot. As we walked with Abraham and dealt with Lot, Lot could do about anything he wanted and Abraham just went along behind him and cleaned up his message. And some of you, um, that's kind of the style of conflict management you have. You just go along and clean up people's messes and never confront anything and never deal with conflict. Because you just want everyone to get along. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so basically, that says you are going to win and I'm going to lose and I'm okay with that. The third one is avoidance. And some of you just laugh. Ignoring conflict. And the animal for that is the turtle. Hold his hand in underneath the shell. This goes through life. Can't see where he's going, but he's, he's protected. He's got a shell. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what David and Absalom King David and his son Absalom was causing all kinds of problems in the kingdom. And he was really usurping the kingdom and taking it away from his father. And David... Don't tell me about it, I don't want to know anything about it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be king and and until he takes over and, and destroys me. And he just pulls his head under a shell and he doesn't do anything. And so that that's kind of avoidance, and that basically says, I'm gonna lose and you're gonna lose. That that's what that prescription is for. And then there's compromise. Um, And they compromised. Paul gave up, do a mission trip for Barnabas. Barnabas got to take John Mark and go on a mission trip. In the end, they covered two different territories, went on two different mission trips. That was kind of compromised. And so that's kind of a tie. I tie you tie. We both gave up something, we both got something. And then there's cooperation. And that is mutual. Um, solution. That's where we work together to accomplish something great with our company. And the animal for that is the owl. And that's David and Jonathan in the scriptures. Remember, um, Saul was out there to destroy David. He didn't want a rival to the throne and all of that. Just you know, he just wanted to kill David. Jonathan was Saul's son, and Jonathan and David were best of friends. And and Jonathan had a hard time believing his dad did be so evil and wicked. But, you know, they, they came up with a plan together to figure this out together and what they were going to do. And those two worked together, protected each other, um, you know, tried to work with Saul as best they could. They did all kinds of things. They collaborated. They worked together for a mutual win. And, and basically collaborated You know, is, is your problem just a, as a method? And you've got a different way of doing the same thing. Is it about goals? Is it about where do you want to end up? Maybe the person you have a dispute with, they want to go in a completely different direction than you do. So you need to identify that. Or maybe it's about values. What you really care about, what you're passionate about. I'm in the church lot of different values and things that we care deeply about. I mean, and yet the church can't be deeply involved in all of those things, so we have to narrow that down Here, what is it that this church is really going to care about? Another question, is it about absolutes? There are some things in life, there are some truths that are worth dying for. But sometimes you just have to stop and think about the other perspective. If you're married, this is always helpful. Um, and I just have to be reminded of that every now. <laughs> you know, think about this conflict from their perspective, from what they're dealing with. Um, think about the perspective from other people. Maybe there's someone that you really, really admire. And and you watch them, and they just handle conflict really well. And you stop and say, well, what would this person do if he was in my shoes? Sometimes that can really help you out dealing with conflict, because you are different (laughs) than that other person. And then consider and evaluate your conflict from the eyes of eternity. How does God look at your conflict? And is God really concerned about the conflict? And is it something that he's is worth (laughs) worth about? Now, how do you resolve it? What do you do with conflict? Choose your timing. Before you deal with conflict, try to deal with your own anger over the conflict first. If you cannot successfully deal with yourself, you're probably not going to successfully deal with the other person. Dr. Laura Bucky has was a great pastor He's in his 80s now, but he was a pastor for probably 50 years up at Moncton. The Church in New Brunswick. He gave a conference one time and he said he deals with controversial issues in the church and gives himself a three-day rule. He doesn't deal with any problem he hears for three days on any deal Now I don't know that there's anything spiritual about three days but you might know what the pattern is for you <laughs> that helps you think through things that long and mull things and without going too long. Because the next point is this. You want to address issues early before they become huge and before they grow and multiply. Because conflict can kind of be like cancer. It just keeps right So sometimes you need to address issues and you don't want to wait too long to address it. because conflict has a funnel effect. And it can kind of start out where you can just focus on problems solve problems Solving the problem. You want to conquer the problem that is there. And then pretty soon it goes from just solving the problem to you looking good. <laughs> you know, you want to preserve and protect yourself. And all of a sudden that slipped the motivation a little bit. And then the next one is, I want to win this. And that means if I'm going to win, you are going to lose. <laughs> and then pretty soon it funnels down and it's a focus on hurting. No longer solving a problem, oh, I'm just going to hurt you. <laughs> Damn And then there's destruction. And I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to kill you. And so if you don't deal with things early on, pretty soon you're at a point where you can't get back to dealing with things. And it's very personal, and you're just out to get to it. And so often in the church, when we have major church problems is because the church has not dealt with problems and conflict and dispute early on. We let things fester for years because Christians don't fight. We just had major church blow ups <laughs> about every ten years. know, just because we couldn't address any issues or anything else. I and then mean, get out of hand when we should deal with things early on like description encourages. If you wait too long to deal with conflict, you will have too many issues to handle constructively. Handle hurts and frustrations as they arise. Secondly, your motive ought to be to value people and to value relationships. And sometimes that means taking a very firm stand to protect the people that you love and that you should protect. Your motive ought to be to please God in conflict. And your motive ought to be to produce as many wins for everybody involved as possible. And then choose your method. Be concise and as direct as you can be a conflict. If it takes you an hour to confront somebody, you have not narrowed it down. You have not understood what the real core issue is for yourself. And you're not going to get the results you want. Try to narrow down what you're really upset about to 60 seconds or less. And that's hard to do. But you really need to be able for your own sake to be able to narrow it down to the point where they that you know and they know what the real issue is. You need to keep it as private as possible. At least at the beginning. Matthew 18. If the sin was in private, deal with it in private. And then if there's no response, then move to And then there's a couple um, phrases that are helpful and, and you might want to take one of these with you. Feeling, um, behavior, and interpretation. I became angry when I thought you lied about me because I felt betrayed. Okay, I'm doing several things there. I am admitting to you that I'm angry because of something I thought you did. And notice the word thought there. Sometimes we think People did something they didn't. And so I'm not accusing them of actually doing it, but I'm accusing them of saying, this is what I thought you did. And then, and, and the reason that affected me is because I felt betrayed. way. The interpretation, you know, or I'm not valued or, or something. Like so you, you go through that cycle there of, you know, what I felt. What you did, how I interpreted it. The second sentence is, is maybe for a little bit um, different circumstance. But feel felt and found. When you're talking to somebody who, who maybe is coming to you, uh, you, might, you might say, I understand how you feel. Because I have felt like that. At times in my past and someone did it back to me. But I have found, I have learned. Those are three great words to remember. Feel, felt, is talking to us the first thing we start doing is prepare a response so we never actually hear what they're saying to us in most conflict resolutions it would be a lot, it would serve us a lot better if we were just silent for a while taking time to formulate a response after we actually listened and heard. Because so often, we don't, you know, we're, we're just getting ready to respond to comments, to accusations. And we don't even hear what they're saying or why they're saying it. They're feeling not We don't take all that in. And we make a big mistake on that. And then the last thing I want to say this morning is we need to pray. When you're dealing with conflict, pray ask God the wise self-free the you.